Okay. Hoy hoy. I am home. And how was the dog walk? It was a, a very dark and uh, stormy night. So no, no, I didn't see anybody. However, I was at something rather interesting earlier today. I was at a book signing uh, by Getty Lee. Getty Lee has this new coffee table book called Getty Lee's Big Book of Bass. <laughs> Big Beautiful Book of Bass. Something like that. And it's, it's, it's this gorgeous coffee table book that comes in three price points. The first one is $100, uh, which is just the basic coffee table book. There is a second level at $615 or $625, which is signed and numbered and comes with something else. Wait, wait, wait for 600 bucks, what does it come with? Uh, it, well, it's signed, and I, it comes with... Uh, Getty? No. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now available in your grocer's dairy case. Ask for yours today. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. The science behind boarding an aircraft. This is something near and dear to my heart. We'll find out why it doesn't make sense to put the cattle class on first. With the last episode before the new year, it's the Geeks and Beats 2018 gift guide with a perfect gadget for anyone with a shoebox of photos buried in the back of their closet. Plus a preview of CES 2019 in our live on Facebook Live from the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center show. 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 <laughs> and now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Does he deliver it to your house? No. But there is a there is a price point above that, and it's twelve hundred and fifty dollars ish. Oh, that's the one where he shows up at your house. No, but it does come in a very nice road case. A road case, yes, as in like something that roadies would use to move gear. Yes, it's it's kind of like a uh, a, a small briefcase, but yes. And it's signed and it's numbered and it's limited edition and all that sort of stuff. There are people that spend a lot of money. On coffee table books because they have become extraordinarily collectible. I saw a David Bowie one. I think it was six hundred dollars, uh, and then I saw another one that was a collection of photographs from a very famous rock photographer, and I think it was like seven hundred and fifty dollars. People are paying big dollars for this stuff. I am on the Amazon right now, and David Bowie's Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago exhibition catalogs is thirty six bucks. Uh, that wasn't the one then. <laughs> okay. His life in pictures, $63. No, that's not it either. These are, these are sold usually through art galleries or they're sold at museums that are showing exhibits related to Bowie. And I think they're jacking up the price along the way, my friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. So did you get a, an interview with Getty Lee? No, the way it worked was, uh, there were a lot of people in the room. There was like 150 people in the room, and there was also a selection of his vintage bases. He's got more than 250 of them. And uh, the way it worked was Daniel Richler, the author who helped him on the book, did a Q&A with him, and then he opened it to audience questions. And then after that, uh, he there was a big long line, and people who bought their books could have them signed. Isn't the bass player in a band considered the slow guy in the group? No, that's a drummer. <laughs> Don't I, you play I, drums? Uh-huh, and I can speak with authority. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> what, what's that knocking at your door that's always speeding up? That's your drummer. Did you hear about the bassist who was so out of tune his band noticed? Uh, no, see, that's that's drummer jokes are where, where, where it's at. I mean, if you enter drummer jokes in the Google machine, you'll find a whole bunch of them. 
Well, I, none of us, none of us drummers are really offended by them because we know, you know, without us, there's no, no beat, no rhythm. I am amazed at the number of tracks, particularly from the 80s, that have a, a, a screw-up with the, the drum line. Uh, I was listening to, of all things, Flock of Seagulls. Okay. I ran. There's a mistake? Like it, the, the, the beat, the tempo, picks up and slows down, but not in like a tempo change manner, but in a sense of, wait a minute, is he speeding up? Wait a minute, is he slowing down? Well, this this was long. This is before we had Pro Tools. This is before we you could quantize things to a grid and make sure that you were in perfect four four time. So it wasn't uncommon for bands to speed up and slow down as they go through a song. That that was the job of the producer. He was the guy or she was the guy who was supposed to listen for uh, errors in tempo and then go back and say, "No, you guys." Well, what do the other again. musicians pick up on it too? Well, no, because when you're playing. Uh, you are in a groove. You are in the zone. And if it feels good to play a little bit faster, you will. And if it feels that you should slow down, you will. And if one guy, if it's the, especially with the drummer, decides to uh, speed up, then everybody has no choice but to follow. I walk along the Clash's uh, brand new catalog on the London Calling album? No. Okay. So uh, they go into the studio with a guy named Guy Stevens. And uh, a guy says, okay, this is our first day in the studio. What I want you to do is pick a song and just, just you know, get in the groove, warm up. So uh, they play this the cover song, uh, Brand New Cadillac. And they go through it, and then uh, Guy Stevens says, okay, we're done, uh, next song. And The Clash says, well, we can't do that. I mean, I mean, we can't keep that track. We can't keep that take. I mean, listen to it. The tempo's all wrong. The, as, the, as the song goes on, we get faster and faster and faster. And Guy Stevens says, all rock and roll speeds up. Next. So <laughs> if, if, you, if you listen to Brand New Cadillac on the London Calling album, you'll see that it speeds up considerably. What you may not have realized is that Guy Stevens recorded that in secret. record on the tape machine so what you hear is basically the producer and the engineer uh, surreptitiously recording what was supposed to be just a rehearsal take and that made the album good story it is a good story if you're like me and i know i am you like beats and vaguely tolerate geeks so you might as well friend us on facebook you'll validate our existence and bring us one step closer to achieving world peace 
I'm distracted here because what just moved across my screen while you were telling me that story was something that I think might actually be of tremendous interest to you as a frequent flyer. What's that? Delta Airlines has just announced a new boarding process. Okay. Uh, I'm always interested in this because, and I'll tell you, coming home Saturday night from St. Martin, we uh, took an Air Canada flight, which had the typical one, two, three, four, five zone board boarding. Right. But next to us was American Airlines, which had boarding zones one through nine. So mm-hmm. what's Delta going to do? According to the CNN, so you know it must be true, they will ditch zone boarding in favor of a new and more complex process based on your ticket type and color. Oh, good. Exactly. And they're going to expand the number of groups from six to eight to encourage fewer customers to line up at the gate area. Because you know when, when you hear, we're boarding zone one, everybody in zones two through four get up and wait and everybody mills about. I never, first of all, I never understood that. But second, I also never understood why we don't board people from back to front. There have been a number of mathematicians and game theorists and fluid dynamics people and I'm not making any of this up, who have experimented with what with, with loading and unloading aircraft. And the one that they say, and I follow this quite a bit because I'm a frequent flyer, and my thing is getting on the plane as soon as possible because I want overhead bin space. If you are in zone four or five, or in some of these other cases, six, seven, eight, or nine, By the time you're called and you're on the plane, there is nowhere to put your bag in the overhead compartment. So you have to stuff it under the seat in front of you and pitch uh, pitch dimensions, which is the uh, distance between the front of your seat and the back of the seat in front of you, are already at miserably low levels. So you want to have some place for your feet. Otherwise, you're sitting um, in a really awkward position. So uh, what they found was that the winner seems to be Southwest Airlines. And you know what Southwest Airlines boarding procedure is? What's that? They don't have one. First come, first serve. (laughs) Everybody just gets on. That's right. And that seems to be the fastest. You would think boarding from the rear would work best. Or, there's another one, boarding from uh, the window seats first. You know what they call that? The Wilma method. Window, middle, then aisle. Yes. So you kind of make like concentric circles in the aircraft. So outside, middle, aisle. According to Jason Steffen of the Fermilab Center for Particle Astrophysics. See? I'm not... Okay. See? Astrophysics found that boarding by rows is the worst possible approach to fill a plane. And if you go the back to front, which seems to me to make the most sense... It is the slowest method, taking about 10 minutes longer than boarding with no assigned seats and no assigned order. Now, that doesn't... Okay, that seems counterintuitive, and I'm just trying to figure out why. why? Yeah. If you were to call out the rows 2019-18, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get people arriving to check in in the order of 2019-18. So 19 blocks 20's path because 19 made it to the gate before 20. So it seems like the issue is that you couldn't actually board back to front without having to wait for row 19 to get their act together before calling row 18. So you get a traffic jam in the middle. 
Mythbusters even busted the myth that it was faster back to front. Back to front took more than 24 minutes. Randomly, just go in, was more than 17 minutes. The Wilma method was less than 15. And random with no seats was 14 minutes. Even though that was the fastest boarding method, the people they used to do the test rated it the worst. So it seems even though it is the most efficient way to board an aircraft, the industry won't use it because they think you won't like it. Interesting. So this is the last episode before Christmas. Right. So this is your last chance for a holiday gift guide. You want to go through some of those geek toys that I found the other day? Let's do it. Go ahead. Okay. So I've got a few for you. I've got the HP Spectre X360, the Epson Fast Photo 680, the Kodak, Kodak, the Kodak, loves you, baby. the Kodak 75 Lumen DLP portable projector, and the Ring Alarm Kit that I just finished installing in my house. Okay, let's start back to front. <laughs> uh, the ring. Yes. Uh, I've had a ring for about a year. Yeah, you've had the doorbell and it's battery powered, so you have to recharge it. I do have to recharge it, which is a bit of a hassle. I, that's because something is wrong with the wiring in my door, and until I replace the front door, it's not practical for me to have a hardwired ring. However, it uh, the battery lasts about three months, and it does send me an email telling me, when it needs to be recharged. Well, that's not bad. I would have thought it'd be a lot less than three months. No, no. Um, well, it probably is a little shorter in the uh, in the wintertime. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, if it's getting a little tired, it sends me a note. How crazy is this? Ring is owned now by Amazon, yet my Alexa does not work with the Ring alarm kit. Interesting, too, that Ring was turned down by the people on Shark Tank. Oh, was it really? Yeah. And the, the guy behind Ring said, screw you guys. I'm going to make, I believe in my company. And uh, he's grown from 10 to, you know, over a thousand employees. This thing is completely wireless. Um, you do have to charge the keypad from time to time. I don't know how frequently, but the sensor batteries will last up to three years. So you don't have this, you know, twice a year routine like you do with your smoke detector and your carbon monoxide detector. Um, and... If you buy the Ring Alarm as uh, something that you're handling yourself, there is a, a $15 a month service you can pay for if you want that has home monitoring that is cellular as well as just internet-based. So if somebody cuts your, your phone line or your cable line, it will immediately switch into cellular mode and continue to function. I have with my Ring doorbell, I think it's a $10 a month or maybe it's $12 a month uh, video monitoring capability. Right. It's the cloud thing. I, I bought the NetAtmo Welcome, which is this cylindrical-looking camera that does facial recognition, uploads to your Dropbox or just to the onboard SD card, and it does not have a monthly fee associated with it, and that was the big reason why I wanted it, because with the Ring, with the... Uh, for example, I've also got the doorbell, but it's it's a different doorbell. It's not the Ring doorbell. It is the Nest Hello. And if I want it to recognize that it's my daughter coming up the steps, uh, I have to pay a monthly fee for that. Mm. So the Net Atmo device, the Welcome, doesn't have any additional fees on it. I set it up at the base of the stairs in the basement, figuring that's the most likely entry point for a thief. And if they're going to be going to steal my TV, they're going to be coming downstairs anyway. So I've got it at the foot of the stairs. And now every time... Uh, we come home, it goes, oh, Olivia's home now, and it sends me a notification. 
Oh, okay. I may have to get one of those. Yeah. Oh, and the, the best thing about it is that if it recognizes a face, you can say, do not record this face. So you've got an element of privacy. So when you're walking around butt naked in the house, you don't have to worry about it. It's less than 170 bucks. Okay. Yeah. yeah I would like to have that uh, in the studio and in the basement for the office. Mm -hmm. And the neat thing, too, is that they've got a whole bunch of other technology tied to it with if this, then that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. IFTTT.com has uh, a plug-in for the NetAtmo as well, not just for the welcome, but also for their, because it's NetAtmo as an atmosphere. It's, uh, I've got the weather monitor outside as well as the one in the master bedroom and one in the family room. So you can set it up so that if the... Uh, parts per million of carbon dioxide rises, turn on the fan in the master bedroom. If the temperature outside is below three degrees and the front door opens, turn on the fireplace. So when the guy knocks on my door or rings my doorbell for pizza, uh, and I open the door and you're stuck there with the damn door open forever, automatically my uh, living room fireplace comes on. Okay, I'm just looking at Amazon here. We have... But only if it's three degrees mm -hmm. or less. Just looking at Amazon here, and I see the uh, additional module for the weather station, smart mm -hmm. outdoor security camera with integrated floodlight. That's yeah, the outdoor one is interesting too. Yeah, it's four hundred and five dollars. Yeah, that's that's not cheap. Uh, there's a rain gauge. There's the Netmo Welcome. That's what I've got in inside the house. It's the indoor version. Uh, okay, well this one here is three hundred thirty-five dollars. Oh, I got it way on sale. I don't know where you're okay. looking. I'm on Amazon. Yeah, no, I, I got it directly from them during their their big Black Friday sale. It's, uh, it's, I don't think it's that price. Yeah, screw Amazon. You want to go directly to the source on that. Okay, I will. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, the, of all the other items on the Geeks and Beats Ultimate Holiday Gift Guide 2018, the one that really jumped out at me was the Epson Fast Photo 680. I take it you've got a shoebox in the back of a closet somewhere filled with photos that you still need to scan. No, we actually have uh, an entire laundry hamper type thing filled with stuff that <laughs> wow. goes back 30 years. Holy crap. Yeah. Then you definitely want this gadget. It's not cheap. It's 800 bucks, but it scans at 300 DPI, one photo per second. No kidding. And it has a hopper that you can put up to 30 photos between wallet size all the way up to 8 by 10. Do you have one of these at home now? I had to give it back after I tested it out. But uh, you press the button and not only does it scan the photo, um, and it, it'll scan it at a higher resolution. It'll go up to 1200 DPI, which is archival resolution. But just regular printout resolution is 300. So you press the button, it scans the photo, and it'll also save not only the original, but a color-corrected version of it in case you don't like their version of color correction you want the original original. Plus, it'll recognize if you've written a, something on the back of it, like, you know, Uncle Fred, 1942, and it'll scan the back. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, because the last thing I need is another printer, because I've got... No, no, this doesn't print. All no, it no, does is scan. Scan, okay. Well, but let me put it this way. The last thing I need is another desktop thing, because right. I've run out of desk space. And it's 800 bucks, which isn't cheap for something that you might, you know, burn through a, a shoebox once, and then you'd be done with. I was talking to some people about this, and they were talking about this would be a great gift to go in on, like a family thing so that the whole family's got it, and then you just sort of pass it around. Yeah, that's a really good idea. That really is good. And then you bring it to Grandma's house on Christmas Day, because you know Grandma's got a shoebox filled with photos she wants to scan to, and you hit one button and away it goes. All right, well, this could solve the problem of, of all those photos I have. And also underneath my, my studio in the crawl space, I have what I call my archives, which are all these things that I've collected over the last 35 years. And there's a lot of photos in there. And you know that they're getting 
they're drying up, they're yep. fading. They're, they're starting to stick to each other. Starting to stick to each other. I, you know what? Okay. This is something that I wasn't expecting. I, I would like to try one of these things. Okay. What else? Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, the HP Spectre X360, um, and they call it a 360 because it's one of these laptops that you can bend the screen around 360 degrees and turn it into a tablet. Right. I had a Dell once that did that. Oh, yeah. Did you ever use it that way? It was too heavy. Okay. This one is 2.8 pounds. Okay. And it has a 16-hour battery life. Oh. And has an iCore i5 processor that is powerful enough for 4K video crunching. Yeah, i5 is, is, is plenty. Um, because if you, want, if you have anything higher than that, you're going to generate a lot of heat, and it's going to use up an awful lot of battery life. My favorite feature, though, is the F1 button that activates so-called privacy mode and darkens the screen to keep private your confidential work. You know, back in the olden days, we called that a boss key. A boss key? Oh, okay. Because you'd be playing you know, Tetris on your computer. And when the boss came by, you'd press F1. Porn. Eh, it work? Really? Porn. Well, you work from home, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would... That's one of the things that I would like when I'm on an airplane. Because I'm always sitting next to somebody who's just kind of like, oh, what do you do for a living? What are you writing on your screen there? Ba- back to the airplane? I watched uh, the film Red Sparrow on the plane. Uh-huh. And I watched it on the seat back as opposed to on my laptop. And thank God I did. Because it was just chock-a-block with full frontal nudity. On your seat back screen. On my seat back screen. I was told to take a man to a hotel. They said he was an enemy of the state. Take off your dress. And in exchange, my mother would get the doctor she needed. All I could think of was, well, first of all, it's not necessarily gratuitous um, because it was all tied to the plot. Right. And two, thank God it's on Air Canada's screen and not my screen. So if anybody has a problem with me watching this, I didn't know it was going to have nudity in it. You know, I flew back on Saturday on one of their new 737 Maxes, and they had a great uh, seatback system. And I saw Red Sparrow on there, but I'd seen it already on, on Apple TV, so I didn't bother watching it. But, uh, okay, you know what? When, when we go to Vegas, no, we won't. We're flying Air Canada rough. You're flying Air Canada rough. I'm flying WestJet. No, oh, no, I'm on, on rough. But I'm going to Winnipeg next week, so... Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, no, parents. Dad had a hernia operation, age 84. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, he's a bit, <laughs> bit, bit grumpy. What was he lifting up, the combine? I have no idea. I, no, Dad, at this age? No, he's well, probably also at this age, he's getting a, a hernery. Uh, oh, hern, hern, Listen, huh? he's got an abdomen made of tissue paper. I'm sure he was just drinking up an extra big cup of coffee. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Uh, we want to say goodbye and a thank you to Jeff and to Jason DeFilippo for being interns on the big show. Yay, thank you guys. Um, we are still collecting money. Now that we have to send you as well. Right. Do we do we want to get into this? Well, we could. Um, the upshot was, was that I was uh, hitching a free ride and bored down to CES, which is why this all was possible. And then that fell apart after we had already paid for your airfare. Right. So we have a little bit of cash left over in the kitty, and it may help. Uh, But uh, if you want to be the big shot co-producer of the live on location show, 
from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas via Facebook Live. Um, open up your wallet. The wider you open it, the better off we are and the more likely we are to be able to actually do the show live for more than uh, not only do the show, but show up a day or two earlier so that we can get the inside track on stuff in advance. As a matter of fact, we have an interview already booked. Our ace producer, Vanessa Azoli, has locked in our tour of the 21st century tiny home. She's big into those tiny homes. This is all off the grid, all sustainable, all within its own closed loop, and it's a tiny house. Uh-huh. How many how many square feet is your place? I think it's how many square feet is my house? Yes. Twenty three hundred square feet. Okay, I'm I'm four thousand plus the basement. Yeah, well you live in the middle of nowhere. So I don't want to be anything tiny. No, no, this thing is like one hundred and eighty square no, feet or something. But okay, we'll go look anyway. It's not gonna take long to go for a tour. No, that's true. Stand in the middle of it and do one three sixty turn, you're done. Exactly. But it'll be an interesting look at some of the advances in smart home technology, in sustainable smart home technology as well. Okay. So we've got that. We're we're also trying to, to lock down a few other things. Is there anything that's jumped out at you that you want to check out? Because I have a really cool pinball company. Yes, you did send me an email on that. I do want to see the uh, the pinball thing that you were talking about. The only other thing that I'm really deeply interested in is uh, autonomous vehicles and uh, automobile infotainment systems. I've been getting, I mean, this is my first time. I'm a CES virgin. I have never been. And I am, you know, every single day I'm getting inundated with requests for interviews, for press conferences, for uh, demonstrations, all this sort of stuff. And some of the things that I'm getting, you know, what do I care about? I can't even remember what it was, but it was it was such a specific business to business electronic technological thing that I didn't even know what the what the damn thing did. But they want me at the at the press conference. Well, you're you're used to this because you've been how many times? Uh, this will be my tenth year. Okay, so you're you're used to all these uh, annoying emails. Yeah, don't worry. You can ignore pretty much all of it. Okay. I'm actually doing that, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing myself at your mercy because I have no idea how to handle this, what the etiquette is, what the procedure is. And frankly, I'm a little scared. You know what? The volume of people is the most frightening thing about it all. If you want to go from one building to the other, like carve out a good 20 minutes out of your life, or exit the building and go all the way around and enter from the other side. If you try to traverse. See, I would have never known this. I would have never known this if, if it hadn't been for your wise guidance. It's an absolute crush of humanity. The good news is, is that when we broadcast live from the North building, that's where the automotive section is. Okay. Now I, uh, another question. This is the wife. The wife is coming with me. Yes. Um, what will our day be like from what time to what time? We will be on the floor getting ready to go live starting at 9 a.m., which is local time. 9.30 is when we'll flip the switch, which is 12.30 Eastern time. The doors don't actually open until 10 a.m. local time. So when we start, it'll be about a half an hour before the mad crush begins, which is good because for the first half, it'll be a little quieter. It'll be a little easier to uh, to do the show. Hold, but, hold, hold, hold up. Hold up. Yeah. Um, are, 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 are you telling me that we're doing live broadcasts? Oh, yeah. I... We're doing the show live on Facebook Live. Uh, how many times? Just once. Because uh, at the end, at, on on the Tuesday when the doors open on the eighth. 
So um, that's 9.30 to 11.30. All right, but that's not what I, okay, I can do that. I, okay, here's my, here's, my, here's my question, and I'll just get right to it. Okay. I want to go for dinner. I want to go to a show, mm-hmm. and I may want to send the wife to a spa. So if you're arriving on the Saturday, you've got the entire day okay. to do whatever you want. We okay. don't have a media event until Sunday at 6 p.m. Okay. So that was 6 to 10 p.m. We're going to go and we're going to check out all the new stuff because they've got the media-only event. The next night, Monday night, 6 to 10 p.m. local time, they have another one. So what it really comes down to is CES has their unveiled, but then all these other companies that didn't get booth space at CES or got booth space at CES but didn't make the top 100 companies list and therefore didn't make the media preview night, they all got together one year and decided to throw their own party. With blackjack and hookers! Actually, that sounds like a regular night in Vegas, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And so um, there ended up being two media nights, one with the official CES unveiled, and then the other one with everyone else who decided to do their own thing too. They'll all be at Las Vegas. We'll just be able to get more people. So it's the the Sunday night and the Monday night that you and I are going to be busy, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. local time. Okay. And then the next morning we're going to get up, and we're going to show everybody what we learned the previous two days. Got it. Okay. So what am I doing all day Sunday? Um, you're taking your wife to a show. Okay, good. She wants to see Penn and Teller. She, oh, yeah. Oh, I saw Penn and Teller while we were there. What a ripoff. Really? I, I, and I'm only going to tell you this. And I, if, if they do it for you, I'm going to be so mad because it was like 10 years ago that I, I saw this show. The, the big finale, Penn shoots Teller. Okay. Teller shoots Penn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Penn's no, no. a big guy. Penn, you're right. So Teller catches the, the bullet in his mouth. Right. But the problem is, is to prove that it's the bullet they caught and the original bullet, they have an audience member sign his initials on the bullet. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, after Teller catches the bullet in his teeth, he holds up the bullet to the crowd. With the signature on it. With the signature on it. Right. So... None of us can see the signature because it's way over there. And there's no giant screen with a camera pointed at it. So you just kind of had to trust them at the end. But their whole thing is that magic is bullshit and it's all about, uh, you know, faking you out. It was a lot of fun. Having said that, it was a lot of fun. And you may recall last year, I took Wifey and we took in one of those Naughty Naughty shows. Uh, Yeah, I, I offered the Naughty Naughty show. Considering your wife writes bodice ripper fiction i know i know i know i know she didn't want to go see a little slap and tickle well she well she she wanted to see magic mike oh well then take her to see magic mike mm, i'm not going to go see magic mike oh is, it, is that a girls only thing yeah it's a girly thing yeah okay well so she is she going without you i may just let her go on uh, the sunday the midnight when we're busy <laughs> that might not be a bad idea yeah go honey here here's a couple of bucks for a glass of wine I have a feeling it's going to be more than a class. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.